amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello there. My name is Bartholomew J. Fancy Cat, but humans have taken to call me Sprinkles. I am a feline of discerning taste and luxury, and I demand the very best, and I want it delivered to my door. Meowbox is a subscription service that caters to felines like myself and gives us all sorts of new treats to try, toys that entertain, and it even helps fellow animals and rescue shelters. They even personalize it for your cat's name. They still insist on calling me Sprinkles, however. What are you waiting for, human? Promo code GEEK10 and get 10% off your full subscription at Meowbox.com. Now go visit Meowbox.com for more information and tell them Sprinkles sent you. Did you grow up with the best PlayStation, Star Wars, cartoons, and ABC TV? Do you like to think you would win in a fight between Batman and the Master Chief? Comics, games, movies, music, and TV. They're gonna tell you everything you need. Superheroes or not, they got your back. They're gonna save the world of geeks. What's going on? You're listening to ThisWeekInGeek.net's topic show for the months, that's right, plural, of August and September. I'm your host, Mike the Birdman Dodd, and I'm not alone as we travel to the satellite of love. I'm joined with my robot sidekicks, Andrew Andrew Roebuck, and Ryan the Uneven Flowbot. I kind of like that, the uneven flow bot. So if you haven't guessed, guys, we're going to be talking about Mystery Science Theater 3000. Now, as you guys are looking at today's date, this show should be up on Saturday, uh, September 26th. Um, this show is more late should, than it should be. Uh, it'll be out next Sunday, AD. <laughs> but ultimately, I owe you guys an explanation uh, as to what's been going on with the show about over the last month. Uh, two major things have happened. So from about the be- from about the end of August to probably most recently this week, I've been tremendously ill. Uh, my wife Blair had strep throat, and I caught it the first time, and I thought I was fine. I just thought I had a really bad sore throat. I couldn't talk for a few days. Whatever. 
but whatever it was turned into something a lot worse. And I was bedridden for about the better part of a week and a half to two weeks. Um, within the last week, I've actually been hospitalized. Um, I went to go see my doctor about this post-viral cough that I have. And um, when I went in to go see the doctor the other morning, she was like, um, she's listening to my chest. And she's like, um, I don't mean to alarm you, but I think you may have a blood clot. So you're going to go to the hospital right now. And you're going to go get that checked out. So I went to Orangeville Hospital. They x-rayed me, hooked me up to a bunch of machines. And thankfully, I did not have a blood clot in my lungs. And uh, they pretty much sent me on my way home. They've got me on super inhalers and steroids and all sorts of other things. So clearly, some things are going to have to change uh, for me health-wise in the next uh, couple of months. So I can uh, be better, but that's a whole different uh, kettle of fish. Uh, in addition to that, uh, the Twig Studio computer died uh, about halfway through uh, September, and I lost years worth of work. Thankfully, I did have a good backup, but it was only uh, good up until about halfway through August. So I did lose a lot of interviews. I lo lost a bunch of boss roles that I recorded, and. Um, couple of nerd news <coughs> there was that cough that I was talking about <coughs> to be fair I also lost six years worth of uh, equipment during an upgrade when my hard drive randomly uh, died it was due it still shouldn't have happened but yeah so I lost well everything including recording software uh, like years and years worth of articles and other stuff I've written I don't really care though so <laughs> doesn't really bother me that much the only thing that ticks me off is trying to replace all the save games uh i went way over all of my internet caps in an attempt to re-download all my stuff on steam and other places because i thought well i thought the date for the rollover was completely different i was remembering the data plan for my phone oh, uh, oh. yeah it doesn't really matter though none of that really bugs me it's just kind of annoying Actually, one of the things that I do want to mention is, for the first time, Ryan and I actually met face-to-face -face, uh, this past August when Ryan came up uh, for some training up near a local town uh, where I live called uh, uh, Port Elgin. So, yes, the metropolis known as Port Elgin. But, but you, but you got to admit, goddamn good fish and chips. Yeah, it's a nice place to visit. Wouldn't want to live there. Uh, but yeah, so me and Ryan for the first time, because you and I have been friends since 2008 at least. Something like that, yeah. We so, were trying to figure it out. But yeah, it, it was really cool to meet Ryan in person, and literally his voice is the exact same as it is here in real life. It was kind of it was kind of jarring, actually, in that regard. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, it was uh, really fun. So, um, so I guess that pretty much fills in you guys as to what's been going on with the show and me. Now that I'm starting to heal up, hopefully things will be back together. We are going to do a topic show for October. And this is Ryan's idea, actually, and I thought this was actually pr pretty brilliant. We're going to be talking about Evil Dead next month uh, to kind of tie in with the Evil Dead TV series, which premieres, I think, on Halloween or a few days before. Um, so we'll be talking about that. James Rolfe is going to be joining us, as he always does, a.k.a. the Angry Video Game Nerd. We always love having him on the show. And uh, I'm not sure what we're going to do for November yet. We're thinking about maybe doing Fallout as that big game comes out then. And then... 
our final topic show of the year before we take a break for the month of uh, December will be Star Wars, which we've never done a full Star Wars show. Never heard of it. Yeah, I know. It's this little independent film. You may have heard of it. Um, so I guess, Andrew, what about you? What have you been up to since we last did a show, which was in very early August? Oh, you know, I, uh, not too much. I, I got a new job working with some guy. You may have heard of him. Oh, hey, Ryan. How's it going? Yes, I uh, I do work with Ryan The only reason now. I made sure you get hired is because I get the finder's fee. It's it's true. That's the only reason. He's like, he's counting down the days until he gets a finder's fee. Then he's like, you're out. Pretty much. But, <laughs> but no, it's a, it's a good job. And, and it's weird because every once in a while I'll be talking to him and I'll start having to check my ears for earphones because I'm like, am I listening to a podcast right now? And it's like, oh, no, I'm just talking to the real deal. I love it. So uh, I'm th- even more hilarious in person, right? Yes. Yes, you are. Yeah, that was the correct answer if you don't want to get canned. <laughs> um so what is going to happen with this particular topic show uh ryan and roebuck are actually going to take it over from here simply because if i talk straight for longer than a minute i tend to go into a fairly hysterical coughing fit so uh ryan and roebuck are going to take it for the next uh 45 minutes to an hour so hopefully you guys will enjoy this topic show on mystery science theater 3000 i really wanted to share uh, my kind of thoughts on this, and I guess I will do it very briefly right now. Ryan told me about this years back, and forever I, ago, yeah, forever ago. And I just kind of blew it off, thinking, "All right, whatever." I I hear nerds talk about it; it doesn't seem like it's my thing. And when I was really starved for ideas this summer, because Ryan has become a very big part of putting together shows this year since he's come back on the show. Um, I just, like, since you know, he cut out of court. Yeah, yeah, since we stopped dealing with stupidity and legal crap. Um, I kind of decided to give it a second shot, and I was genuinely surprised how much I enjoyed it, because I realized that a lot of the humor in the show is a lot of how me and everybody else watches movies with each other. This is how we do it. This is the kind of comedy that I guess I kind of grew up on. And I never quite realized it until I started watching episodes. I mean, I remember watching an episode last year because I was really bored called Laser Blast. (laughs) That was amazingly fucked up. Um, But funny, though. And then I watched Manos Hands of Fates uh, this past week. And that really sold me on the show, especially with uh, Torgo. uh, (laughs) And all that wonderful amounts of stupidity. So... I really enjoyed it. I'm really glad that I saw it. I'm actually going to go out of my way to try and collect as much of this on DVD and Blu-ray as possible. It's 193 episodes, I think. So it's going to be a long time trying to collect all this stuff. So, guys, I guess that is my thoughts on this. So please enjoy this topic show presented to you by Ryan and Andrew Roebuck. I really appreciate you guys taking care of it. But before I go, here are just the facts. In the not-too-distant past, Mystery Science Theater 3000 debuted on KTMA-TV in Minneapolis, November 24, 1988. The series would run for 11 years, 197 episodes, and actually had one feature film. The premise of the show involved two mad scientists, Dr. Clayton Forrester and his sidekick, Dr. Lawrence Earnhardt, launching Joel Robinson, a janitor who was working for Gizmonic Institute, into space. 
They would force Joel to watch terrible B-movies in an attempt to find the perfect amount of bad movies it takes to render a person insane. This was Dr. Forrester's rather... inventive way to take over the world. TV's Frank, the more memorable sidekick, would replace Dr. Earnhardt in the second season premiere when the show moved to the Comedy Channel, which would soon become Comedy Central. Now, trapped on board the satellite of love in Earth orbit, Joel would build four robots, Tom Servo, Crow T-Robot, Gypsy, and Cambot. The series would see multiple cast and crew changes during the 11-year run. Most notably, the show creator and lead character, Joel, would be replaced by one of the head writers, Mike Nelson, during the fifth season. The show would also feature many different plots and reasons for Joel and Mike to be watching bad movies, but the result was always the same. The cast would riff on... Uh, classic films and shorts. Episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000 also featured live-action skits performed by the cast, usually opening up with a sketch unrelated to the remainder of the episode and followed by an introduction to the movie. Many episodes would feature movies that are way too short to fill the show's two-hour running time, so breaks with live-action skits were introduced. Now, while in the theater, Joel or Mike, Crow, and Tom would sit in a silhouette uh, in a row of theater seats and watch the movie. The silhouette approach is trademarked as Shadowrama and is actually just a row of rounded shapes cut from black painted foam core board. And the human host would be dressed in black and they'd have black painted versions of the puppets. This allowed for the host and puppeteers to watch the movies and read from the script, while making it seem as though everybody was actually in the theater. The show's format never really changed, but the series would change networks to the Sci-Fi Channel for its final three years. Now, Mystery Science Theater 3000 The Movie, from Gramercy Films, opened in selected theaters April 19, 1996. It would play in a limited release in only a handful of theaters each week during the spring and summer of 96. Now, sadly, the film would be a victim of near-constant meddling by the studio and was not promoted whatsoever. The film was not a financial success in theaters, but, but much like Mystery Science Theater 3000 the series, would become a success via the videotape. The final new episode ran September 12, 1999. The show has spawned a number of spin-offs by the cast and crew, such as Cinema Titanic and, perhaps most notably, Rift Tracks. The series has seen many of its episodes released by Shout Factory on DVD, and some are also available on online streaming services. So, no matter what happened to the 11-year run, people just seem to keep circulating the tapes. Ah, uh, he's finally gone. Finally, this is our show. Uh, by the way, if you didn't turn off as soon as Mike said he wasn't taking part, kudos to you. <laughs> I can promise you some measure of entertainment. By the way, notice he didn't ask what I've been up to. I'm mildly offended. Uh, although I did mention like the death of my hard drive and all the other crap that happened, so whatever. All right. So we did the just the facts, or rather I did it. Uh now, wanted to touch on how we discovered it, and I think I'll probably go first because, to be honest, I kind of told everybody about this a long, a long time ago. Uh, I only vaguely remember how I got into it. Really, the first time I heard about it was I was living out in Canada, sharing a home with different people, and it was the boyfriend 
of the daughter that was living in the place that uh, I was staying in. And he was a big fan of it. And randomly just hearing from him rave about it, I ended up picking up a DVD set. And this predates Shout Factory having it. Uh, I think it was Rhino back then. Yeah, it was. Oh, wow. Yeah, Rhino uh, released it, and it was the first box set that was released, and I picked it up at CD Warehouse, which is now defunct. All of those things should tell you how long ago (laughs) this was. So anyway, uh, I picked it up, and it wasn't the best set. Uh, I can't even – I only vaguely remember what was on it anymore, like all these years later. uh, And I remember the Skydivers was on it, or the Skydiving one, which is eh – not a bad episode, but definitely not a great one. But I still remember starting to kind of fall in love uh, with it. And later on, I watched more and more of it. And the first episode for me that knocked it out of the park was Cave Dwellers, uh, which I'll touch on a little later when we get to favorite episodes. But yeah, that was kind of how I got into it. And then uh, my next uh, long-term uh, girlfriend, who's been on this show before and... Uh, I haven't spoken to in six years and has blocked me on any form of communication. <laughs> um, uh, Good stories. Yeah. yeah, great. We should just do a show on my failed relationships. That would be amazing. That would be terrible for me, but I think uh, it might be entertaining for other people. Email Mike at thisweekingeek.com. <laughs> If you want to hear the Ryan's failed relationship podcast, we're just going to say weird things that drop the email address throughout the episode. Weird things. I think this would be a great show. We could do it for Halloween as a horror story. Anyway. So, I mean, uh, but I mean, that's where I uh, heard about it and she was into it. So I ended up picking up more and more of the box sets. Uh, It's, I'll just mention this now. Uh, The box sets are produced by Shout Factory. They are excellent. Uh, But having said that, the show is available in a lot of different places. And I'm sure you'll hit on that in a little bit too. But, I mean, it's available streaming in a ton of different places online. So, you know, this is one of those that uh, you can easily watch along with us or after the show if by some miracle Andrew and I sell you on it. So, yeah, (laughs) where do you... Aside from from me, did you hear about this anywhere else? Uh, oh yeah, I, I've known about Mystery Science Theater for years. Uh, it, it's basically as a collector of this is how I get into most things. It's a simple answer. It's called Godzilla. It's the thing that has like driven most of my uh, pop culture consumption for the umpteenth years of my life. Uh, and of course, Mystery Science Theater did. God's, like episodes on Godzilla vs. Megalon and Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster. Two movies which are not the best Godzilla movies, so I can definitely see how you can get good uh, fodder out of it, and especially with the horrid dubs that are prevalent. Uh, so, like, as an early consumer of Japanese giant monster entertainment, all of anything you could ever find on any streaming sites was most likely it ended up being Mystery Science Theater, um, and just, I always, I always just really liked the episodes and really liked the humor and mystery science theater is a really good comfort food. Like no matter what emotion you're feeling at a time, you can always get your mind set back to happy or enjoyment by just popping on the mystery science theater crew. And like through the years, podcasters and like just people I've respected 
all of these people keep coming back and keep talking about how much they love Mystery Science Theater and how much it really shaped a lot of their uh, tastes in comedy. So it, it's been a constant throughout my life, but it's it's weird that it's not it's not a show that I've ever sat down and watched beginning to end. It's always a show that I will like. I meant by seasons wise, like I've obviously seen a full episode, um, <laughs> but. It's been a show that I that I keep coming back to, but I've never sat down and watched the whole thing, which is it's a weird thing that happens with me in a lot of my comfort food uh, entertainment. It, yeah, it's funny you say that too, because you're right. I mean, I can remember sometimes I've been down or that kind of thing. I think it's really helpful uh, in just relaxing you and that kind of thing. You're right. It does. It makes for good sort of comfort food, comfort watching, whatever you want to call it, comfort consumption. Uh, you know, whenever you're not feeling great or whatever. So maybe I might need this after the Ryan's relationship recording podcast, <laughs> the three hours of, no, I mean, you know, you mentioned that it shaped a lot of people and you mentioned that it's easy to jump into. It's easy to jump around, uh, despite the host segments sort of having a plot, especially in later years, sci-fi channel mandated that, there be a coherent narrative. So they didn't want it to be episodic. They wanted an overall sort of story arc, which to yeah. me, by the way, is silly because, you know, when you talk about the show format, let's be honest, it's really just an excuse to sit down with your buddies and make fun of not great film. Well, like, exactly. Like, I was really surprised because I, I never, I guess I never actually stumbled on any of the later years because I watched one from the, the later years and there was like a whole new villain lady that I was like, oh, I've never seen you before. Pearl Forrester, Dr. Yeah. Forrester's mother. Uh, oh, oh, so I had seen her before. I just didn't realize that it was the same character. Yeah, she's changed appearance a uh, fair amount and, you know, her. Her goals change from season to season, but I mean, you know, again, realistically, it's it's a show about something we've all done. We've all sat down and watched not great movies with our friends and made fun of them. I mean, one of my best theater going experiences ever was going to see Spider-Man 3. Uh, the theater was basically empty and it was just me and my buddy RJ and we just tore the movie apart and just laughed hysterically the entire time. Another personal favorite was doing that to the film, uh, Jet Li film, Black Mask. So, I mean, <laughs> this was a show built around, you know, just being with your buddies and doing what you would normally do. And even in the early years when Joel was on and they had the invention exchange and the sort of set segments they would do, it was all stuff that he would do normally. Like the inventions were generally stuff that came from his stand-up uh, that he did at the time. And even as the show evolved, I mean, Mike did stuff that he would do, you know, these were all comedians, everybody on the show. And so I think it just, it kind of added to the comfort format, whatever you want to call it, that these are just a bunch of guys who you could see as being friends, hanging out, watching a bad movie. And you think, well, I would do that with my friends. Yeah, it's true. I also think for for me personally, the, the use of puppets really got me hooked on the show because it, it, puppets are just like a, a, they're like simple and like the puppets on Mystery Science Theater are like really simple. But like I still look at them and I'm like, these are just characters. Like I don't 
while watching them, I don't go, oh, these are puppets. I go, I really like these characters and like the roles they play and all this stuff. And I get really endeared to puppets. So that was kind of a plus for me watching the show where it's like, oh, this like little added amount of uh, humor. Because uh, I, I was watching uh, one of the episodes. Uh, I, I believe it was the the Time of the Apes. Is that the one where they – the Japanese Planet of the Apes movie? Yeah, I think it's I called so. Time. But uh, they were playing like uh, softball and they had like changed the heads of the puppets. So that one was like a T and like the other had like a catcher's mitt on. And like I I love the – I just love that idea and I love the continuity where like they then went and sat down in the movie and they still had those head attachments. And just like little things like that that happen when you have like puppets just I I always enjoy. There's there's frequently stuff like that they do and there's a lot of fun – things that happened in the theaters that weren't necessarily supposed to. There's a couple times, uh, I think it was, yeah, it was, uh, brute man. Uh, I remember specifically Mike absolutely loses it at a comment and I believe he missed some lines, but I'm not sure. Uh, and yeah, he just absolutely just lost it. You can see him dip his head and again, it sort of contributes to the down-home feeling or feeling that this is with your buddy. Same with the fact that, you know, the sets, the robots, everything kind of look cheaply built. Even though, by the way, the robots were fairly complex to work. But, I mean, yeah, it all contributed to it. So, Yeah, for know. sure. Who who was your favorite host? Like, I guess that could be where we, we go next. Like, oh, jeez. Trying to bring you're... back a flame war. <laughs> just just some of your some of your favorite parts of the show, your favorite host, who you thought was their best like antagonist, what door was your favorite? I mean After Wow. After this we <laughs> should debate uh Unicron versus the Death Star, uh well, Star you, Trek Star Trek versus Star Wars. Uh these are both all of things those like have, both of those have clear answers, Unicron and Star Trek. <laughs> no, but I mean, uh, both of them invite Kirk versus Picard. They all invite the same sort of flame wars that Mike versus Joel did. Uh, I love them both. And I mean, without Joel, the show wouldn't exist. But Mike's sense of humor is a little closer to me. Like, uh, I explained it to you that Mike's a little bit darker. And part of that is because the character Joel was portraying as Joel Robinson, uh, Joel was literally the father to the robots, Crow and Tom Servo and Gypsy and Cambot. But, I mean, he was literally their father, so he kind of kept them a little cleaner, less mischievous, whereas Mike didn't have that. Mike was just kind of their buddy, and when they'd get out of line, the show, it never delved into, you know, swearing or something like that, which, again, is part of the appeal of it. There's so much humor in it and so many different types of humor in it and they don't go for the easy jokes or anything now there's nothing wrong with that it's funny to hear people you know swearing or something along to or with a really bad movie but eventually it gets old and i think it, the fact that they change switch up the humor and everything helped it a lot and i just i found mike's a little closer to my own so yeah i always liked him and in, in terms of villains uh i love dr forrester forrester trace great. yeah uh, yeah. I did like Pearl, but I thought they were hamstrung a lot by not only did they have to come up with all these jokes in the movie, but then, oh, yeah, by the way, now you got to make a plot for the show. What? Yeah. Yeah, that stuff. It's, it's, it's interesting. Um, 
I would say when you're talking about like their their humor, I I love that they're not restrained by like having to be relevant. Like because they will make offhanded comments that are like references to fifties commercials or like weird obscure like gas chains. Yeah. But like the the thing is, even if you don't know what it is, the delivery is so funny and the delivery is so good, you still laugh. And if anything, it just educates you to all this old timey pop culture knowledge and and it's a way that a lot of people would be more familiar because I, I as a person who again going back to the japanese cinema thing if i were to mention time of the apes if anyone knew about time of the apes they probably know about it from mystery science theater they probably wouldn't know about it from its original japan japanese release and there's a lot of like little movies like that that are like kind of pop culture touchstones that they've given their stamp to and have really like improved how people even view it and like made it more uh, conscious for people. It's funny because like unlike a lot of not popular or not well done comedies, they didn't really seem to care if they're amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals from courses to help you attain or retain certification to individualized coaching services to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen management concepts optimizes your professional development online in person individually or groups it's training that's measurably better learn more at managementconcepts.com that's managementconcepts.com Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Audience got it or not? I think the assumption was kind of the people who we want to get this show will get it. And there's going to be a lot of people that don't or that don't necessarily get the jokes. And that's okay. They didn't worry about kind of pandering. Now, I mean, you know, maybe that resulted in them getting canceled a bunch bunch of times. But I mean, look at the show overall. You know, they ran for 10 uh, seasons and had a feature film, which in the end made money. I mean, the show overall is still kind of running today with different groups and different groups of people involved with the show forming other things. I mean, it was really successful in the end. And yeah, they didn't pander. I mean, one of my favorite jokes was from a short um, actually it was just a short movie they did in the early years, but anyway, they're talking or two characters are talking and they're saying, Oh, we have to go and get the ray guns. And somebody goes, Ron and Nancy. <laughs> That's amazing. Which I mean, not everybody's going to get, but you know, I just, oh. I liked that they didn't worry about being relevant 10 years from now. And I think that casting off those constraints helped them a lot. And I kind of wish more movies and TV shows would do that now and just say, you know what? 10 years from now, you know, maybe somebody may not get this, but you know what? The ones who are watching now and are enjoying it will. So, hell well, of you. I, well, like, I think that that even leads to the, the different ways of watching it and the different ways it's available. Because I, I don't know how the, the DVD releases are. Are they like trivia tracks or anything that, like, helps you get some of the references on the DVDs? Not really, no. 
No, because on uh, YouTube, they they have like an official YouTube uh, cha- channel, and they have annotations with some of their biggest uh, like uh, shows and episodes. And the annotations are extremely complex and like really get into the nitty gritty of all their individual references and jokes. And it, and it's really amazing because some things you can think they're like, oh, they're just being goofy, and they're just like making a goofy joke about something that's not real and then you're like oh this is a real thing for blah 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 and you're like what <laughs> that's amazing although it's pretty funny when uh, at times when they go off and they're going really firing off the references there'll be like five annotations on screen that you have to look through and and it's it's, it's all like it's really amusing and and anybody i would say who hasn't lived through a lot of that stuff and still wants to check out the show uh, the annotations on YouTube might be a good place to start just to kind of give yourself a familiarity with their humor and what they're talking about. So if you're a young bit. child like Andrew – oh, sorry. That's baby, t- baby talk. Get out of here, old <laughs> man. It's baby talk with Andrew Roebuck. The other option too is uh, there's a website I highly recommend, uh, www.mst3kinfo.com. It's satellite news and they have an episode guide and there's one for every episode – and it is fantastic. Uh, I highly recommend them. It's the same sort of idea. They'll frequently explain some of the jokes and riffs. And it's written from the perspective of uh, the person who did the guide or review for the website. And, yeah, it's very good. It's a fun sort of way to sort of – they're short and you're not necessarily reading along with the episode, but I find it adds to it. It's uh, not necessarily the same thing as annotations, but, you know, it's fun. And, yeah, yeah, the, show, yeah the show in general has inspired a fair amount of not just sites like that, but, I mean, just a lot of when it ran, they frequently would do get letters and do fan mail, that kind of thing. It inspired a lot of creativity over the years. Uh, and again, part of that's because of it. it's a pretty simple premise that we all want to do. So, Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, just look at any YouTube thing reviewing bad movies. It's, it's a, it's, chances are they'll eventually get to a movie and they'll be like, I know Mystery Science Theater has done this. Here's my take. And, like, there, there, uh, there's some reviewers I watch on YouTube where they, like, Specifically, will like go out of their way to make mystery science theater jokes, and you'll be like, "Oh wow, it's uh, it's amazing that this thing that's like so popular nowadays was so built on just these guys." They they really started in a, in a small like w- w- like the the first episodes. Where were they filmed again? Like what kind of a studio? It was like a really small like yeah, studio, Minnesota, right? K- yeah, for KTMA in Minnesota, uh, just. Was that like a UHF station kind of thing? Yeah, it was yeah. on the dial. And one of the funny stories they tell, and I can't remember if this is from a DVD or uh, an AMA or what, but I mean, one of the stories they tell is that they used to get, uh, the station would get angry calls from this woman who was using a television. And just the way the TV was set up, she couldn't see that there were silhouettes of people watching the movie. And so she was trying to watch these movies and was complaining because it seemed like somebody kept talking over them. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, so stuff like that used to happen back then. And obviously the hosts uh, were different. 
Uh, although, I mean, Joel was still there. And it's funny how long some of these people were there. I mean, Kevin Murphy, who was, uh, man, brain cramp, Tom Servo. Uh, Kevin was there pretty much forever. Uh, he was on camera starting in season one. I mean, he wasn't there for the KTME, KTMA uh, viewings, at least not on camera. He was Cambot for that, but he was there pretty much, you know, really forever doing an awful lot of work. And then, you know, Mike Nelson was one of the writers for a really long time before he became an on TV, on camera character. So yeah, it, man. And I mean, Mike mentioned this too, and you hinted at it as well. The, number of movies they've done that have been referenced by other things. Like you hear stories about Quentin Tarantino has copies of Manos, the hand of fate. And he calls it the, you know, the best slash worst movie ever made, uh, which I believe troll too is usually called that. But anyway, uh, and it's awful. I mean, Oh Mike, my gosh. It's the episode, so bad. Yeah. The episode for it is great. Uh, but it, and what's scary is it's not even the worst movie they've done. I think for most people, you got to consider Monster Agogo as the worst film they've done. I've mentioned it to you. Monster Agogo was a monster film that ended up being spliced because they ran out of money halfway through and just spliced it with basically a teen like dancing club film thing. And it's terrible. They've done some bad movies and... Some of the bad movies translated into good episodes. Some of the not-so-bad... You mentioned Laser Blast. Laser Blast is up there from favorite episodes. It wasn't horrible, but it's really not good either. Oh, man. Laser Blast is horrible, I think. Really? It looks really bad. I love the, I love the special effects or, and the old-timey alien special effects because it's like... These are clearly where all the money in this movie went to. Yeah, the stop motion was great. I love that they didn't subtitle it. That's still my favorite thing because it it lets Mike and the bots talk over them and make up the dialogue. Which is amazing. Their dialogue is, like, perfect. I I think my favorite part of that is the the one cop, and every time he appears, like, are you ready for some football? Yeah, it's Monday Night Football reference. So much. So good. Uh, There's so many good episodes, though. I mean, uh, I mentioned it earlier. Cave Dwellers is fantastic. It's essentially a Conan ripoff, and it was actually a sequel. Uh, And one of my favorite bits was... Uh, they sum up the sequ- or the original at the start of it with these quick clips, and it's confusing as all hell and poorly done. And I believe Crow at one point just says, "Wow, Tolkien would have trouble following this plot." Uh, <laughs> it's but yeah, it was pretty bad, and they used uh, invisible enemies to save money. Uh, you know, Miles O'Keefe. Uh, was the star, quote-unquote, and just it featured really poor costume design. And then my absolute favorite bit, though, at one point uh, he just walks behind a tree and comes out with a modern hang glider. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, it was outstanding. Like, that's one I highly recommend as an early one. Uh, and probably my two favorite episodes are later Mike episodes, though. Uh, Werewolf. Or, as the main character can only say, Warwolf. <laughs> uh, 
it's terrible, but it one of the best riffing jobs they've done. And it's one that's really accessible. I highly recommend it to people. The movie's accessible as well, too. Uh, and then another personal favorite, Space Mutiny, that you, you hinted at earlier, because it's one of the later episodes. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. With it's Fist, really good. With our hero, Fist Rock Groin. Uh, <laughs> I love all the rail kill jokes in that episode. Because, oh. like, everybody who gets shot in that movie dies from a railgun thing. And that Space Mutiny is amazing because, like, that movie makes no sense. Oh, As you're watching done. it, and you're like, "What? Who are these ballet dancers? And like, what are the they Sears. doing around this crystal ball? Like, it's so amazingly weird and awful." And who decided to make the one guy look exactly like Santa Claus? <laughs> All <laughs> the joke. Santa Claus yeah. jokes are so good, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> Although I think the favorite part of that episode is the is the one that you told me before I watched yeah. it, where like. There, a character dies on screen, and then they edit to the exact next scene, and she's just sitting on the comms, like yeah, doing her bridge. job. Yeah, and she's like, fine. Yeah, they're like, "Hey, isn't she dead?" Like, they're, yeah, they're like, like, "Hey, no fair, people. she's dead." <laughs> and it's so good. <laughs> and that sums up a lot of these movies. Uh, yeah, uh, other Were ones. There- yeah, oh, anyone. Sorry, you, sorry, no, you hinted at it too, by the way. If you're a fan of monster movies, you need to watch this show. Oh, for sure. They have so many bad monster movies that were made. Were there any another great monster movie, by the way. Were there any uh, bad movies you always wish they that they would have got a chance to, to rip on? Or do you think that with with uh, Mystery Science Theater and with what they would become later on, they've covered all that you would want. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, constantly, and we'll get to them doing some bad movies that I always hoped they would and have now gotten the chance to. But, <laughs> I don't know, did you have any favorite episodes? Oh, man, I, I really like the Time of the Apes episode because I, if there's one thing I love, it's making fun of bad dubbing. And the dubbing in that movie is awful. And, <laughs> and the one kid, kids res- like has one response like at the early, uh, early in the movie that's like really badly dubbed. Like I don't care. And then like every time they just keep bringing it up. Every time in the movie, like this serious stuff will happen, and like the kid will be saying something, and then like the bots will just chirp in, "I don't care." And it's like so funny and so spot on, and. It's uh, it's really good, and and I was just laughing throughout the entire film, and had like a great big smile on my face, because they managed to milk every cheesy, ridiculous moment in that movie to the extreme, and uh, that was one of my favorites. I really like that. Nice, yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah, I mean, just going on for me, I've seen every episode of the series. There's a ton of fantastic ones. Uh, Final Sacrifice was amazing. Canadian movie, by the way, and terrible. Uh, introducing the wonderful adventures of Zap Rousdower. Uh, <laughs> oh, what a, uh, anyway, uh, Prince of Space is another favorite. Uh, Mike has watched it. I wish he was here to talk about it, but Puma Man is outstanding. Oh, uh, yeah. Anyone who hasn't seen it, uh, Puma Man is a terrible sort of superhero movie. Uh, so if anyone complains about Marvel or DC nowadays, go and watch that. But the character, you know, flies at 
<laughs> he flies at 30 degree angles due to poor special effects and the, mu- <laughs> the music and the cues in the movie are terrible. It's just really poorly done and edited and it makes for a hilarious episode. Uh, and there's a ton of host moments too, that I've only sort of touched on that I really enjoyed. Uh, personal favorite was uh, last of the wild horses where they do sort of a mirror mirror episode and the Mads, uh, so Trace and, or sorry, Dr. Forrester and Frank end up in the film riffing on the movie instead of Mike and the crew. They did a lot of fun stuff like that on occasion. Uh, and I enjoyed that. Man, there's probably so many good episodes I'm forgetting about, but there were a lot. This was a really good series overall. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's considering it has 195 episodes. If you're a fan of good times, as as you put it to me one day, you will definitely find I hate to good enjoy. times. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the shorts are highly recommended too. Mr. Be Natural, which is dreadful and awesome. Uh, are You Ready for Marriage is a personal favorite. These are all great. And. It's not surprising to me that after all these years, because there's so many bad movies still being released today, that this is pretty much still going. And there's been a month, there are a bunch of different things the hosts have done or hosts are doing, I should say, including possibly trying to bring it back at some point. But I think, I don't know, Rift Tracks is the one that's best known out of everybody. And that's uh, Mike Nelson. Uh, Kevin Murphy, who was there forever, and then Bill Corbett, who would be the second crow on the show. And the three of them have just continued on. And you asked earlier if there are any films that <laughs> they sh- that I wish. Well, they've pretty much done all of them with Rift Tracks. And what's neat is they've done actual good movies, and some of those are some of their better ones. Uh, the Rift Tracks for Jurassic Park is fantastic, despite the fact the movie is still fun and enjoyable. So, no, no. Uh, as for films, I wish they would do. Uh, when I saw it, I knew Transformers 2, Revenge of the Fallen, <laughs> needed to be. Because I honestly still consider that the worst film uh, I've ever seen. And it's funny because Mike, who's a professional terrible movie watcher, has frequently cited the Transformers as a series as being the worst series. And then has a few times referred to... Transformers 2 is the worst movie he's ever seen. And yeah, it's bad. Other personal favorites too. Uh, Lord of the Rings is fantastic <laughs> with riff tracks. And I love Lord of the Rings. Anyone that knows me knows I'm a Tolkien fan, except for the Silmarillion. Uh, but Lord of the Rings was phenomenal. I mean, this bit where my absolute favorite is as they're entering the hall, Gandalf, who's flanked by uh, Gimli... Uh, and Legolas, and I believe Aragorn Gorn's still with him at this point, and they asked him to hand over everything that he's got, and finally they ask, your staff, and somebody pipes up and goes, no, these guys are more temps. <laughs> That's awesome. I love stuff like that. The Star Wars movies are really good ones as well, too. Again, enjoyable. Yeah, most of my experience with Rift Tracks has been through just... In the earlier days of YouTube, where they would uh, oh, they would be constantly barraging us with like best of. They were unofficial and they got quickly removed. But there was a lot of like 
best moments from this riff tracks, best moments from this riff tracks. And I would just spend hours upon hours just watching the best ofs. And uh, it really made me want to actually kick back and watch some of their uh, riff track stuff because it sounds like it's amazing. And if you're well, it's handy and they're inexpensive and you should actually come over sometime because I have a bunch of them, especially the video and demand ones. Uh, again, another personal favorite, uh, the beautiful and wonderful masterpiece uh, known as Cool as Ice, uh, Vanilla, <laughs> Vanilla Ice's acting debut. actually oh, have their video on demand version of that. Uh, it's terrible. I mean, fantastic. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, overall, you mentioned it, uh, and I've mentioned it too, A, uh, Rift Tracks is still going strong. There are others. Joel does Cinematic Titanic and recently in an AMA hinted at a possible reboot for the Mystery Science Theater, but I don't know. I'm skeptical if that takes off. There's a lot of things that blocked it in the past, and there's a lot of problems with doing these shows. Rift Tracks gets around it by just releasing audio to the movies, so you've got to own the film on DVD some type of video streaming, whatever, and you got to watch it with it. So they got around the whole having to purchase the rights, but that was one thing that hurt mystery science theater, the show, it got harder and harder to buy the rights for movies. A, because simple costs were going up. B DVD meant that if you kept the rights to your movies, you could just re-release it on DVD for cheap and then make your money that way. So nobody wanted to sell the rights and see, oh yeah, people started to pay attention to the fact that, hey, Mystery Science Theater rips apart the movies they buy. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe if we really feel like we made a good movie, we shouldn't sell it to them. And sadly, some people did, by the way, and got really angry at them, which I think is hilarious. I mean, it. yes, they're like making fun of you, but like, it's kind of an honor, because you'd be like, at least someone's going to get some enjoyment from this movie I made. Like... And also, it's it's usually in, in, in pretty decently good fun. I mean, in the Laser Blast episode, they rip on Leonard Maltin at the last, for the last, like, 10, 15 minutes of the movie. But Leonard Maltin would then, like, uh, have an appearance on the show in, Gorg in the Gorgo episode. He was a huge fan. Yeah. And yeah, some, exactly. Some of them would so. become big fans. Apparently, some of the actors and actresses involved with Space Mutiny were big fans as well and enjoyed it. There's some, and I mean, uh, I think it was Time Chasers uh, that the studio and the crew, everybody who worked on it actually agreed to hand it over because they wanted to see what they would do to it. Uh, and as the story goes, I can't confirm this. This is just what the internet says repeatedly. They were a little disappointed at how bad they got torched, but on the other hand, they <laughs> kind of expected it. They handed it over. Yeah, I mean, if they want what you have, they're probably not going to compliment it. No, so, I don't know, people react weird. I'd be curious as to what some of the current directors or people associated with the movies that Rift Tracks tears up, what they would think if they saw some of it. Some of them uh, have actually been interviewed about it, but... I, I imagine, though, it's not as... Like, in today's world, they have a million people on the internet constantly barraging them at all times. True. They, yeah, they get in, torn apart anyway. At least in Rift Tracks, they kind of, uh, they're a little more family-friendly and not as outright vitriolic and mean as some people on the internet are. 
that man wouldn't just give up. I hope you die. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks, okay. Internet. Welcome to the Internet. Yeah. And maybe that was one thing, too, that helped Mystery Science Theater. It was around in an era before the Internet. Uh, if you've watched an episode all the way through, you always see the final thing before the tag is just a line that says something uh, to the... Yeah, it said, keep circulating the tapes. Nice. Yeah, they wanted people to tape the show, hand it around, that kind of thing. And I don't know. That's amusing to me that they essentially encouraged what was one of the earliest forms of piracy just to kind of get out there. Yeah, it's true. It's interesting. It's definitely like it, – it shows that they're like more about enjoyment than they are about trying to just milk it for all its money, right? Much like this show. Uh, so <laughs> how's that for a wrap-up? Oh, yeah. Maybe oh, Mike yeah. will be alive for the next show. Maybe. Mm, no guarantees on that one. So, yeah, I mean, I uh, highly recommend watching this series. If you ever get the chance to, and as we said before, it's everywhere. It's easily available on YouTube. It's actually got an official channel. There are also official sites online. And then, oh, yeah, they've got the actual DVDs if you're really interested in it. The box sets are not super expensive, but... I, yeah, like, as I said, I highly recommend it. And you hinted at it too. There's an awful lot of comedians and people that work in comedy. You know, the most notable one I can remember is anytime Chris Hardwick is talking to one of the guys and he's had Mike Nelson, uh, Murphy, and Bill Corbett on at midnight. And he always tells the story that it really shaped his sense of humor. And I think it did for a lot of people. There's been a number of other ones who have said that too. And part of that is, as we talked about, there was so much different humor in it that you can find anyone who's a fan of really any type of humor. You can find something there's sarcasm in there. There's snark. There's just witty banter. There's a bit of everything such as discussing what the South will do again. <laughs> also from Laser Blast. Uh, good times all around. Yes, it was. So, speaking of good times, I'm going to end ours. So you can go and get plastered. and As if Don uh, being sick, what? Excuse me, the term is Roebuck to get your yeah, vernacular whatever. right. <laughs> so clearly you've learned nothing from Dodd being ill. Yeah! Make man, it Mike's, worse. Man, Mike seems really sick. I'm going to wander around and poison myself. <laughs> You're a terrible human being. I right, am so. a terrible human being. You have a great day, Twig Crew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm signing off. Uh, for This Week in Geek, I'm Ryan the Uneven Flow. Man, I don't think I've ever done this exit thing before. This is kind of neat. And I'm Andrew Andrew I could get used to not having Mike on the... Oh, sorry. Anyway. So, He's yeah. got too much power, folks. Yeah, true. He's holding me hostage. Save me. Save and, me. And remember to send your emails to Mike at thisweekingeek.net. <laughs> Tell him how much you appreciated us or hated us or just want to hear my horrible stories. <laughs> Email him. Email him whatever you want. If you want to send him uh, Christian memes, then 
Oh, we should give it his phone number. Well, he's editing this anyway. All right, fine. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Walk it off the set. Have a good day, folks. Want to see me make bubbles with my spit? Sure do. In fact, that's the theme of our next show. So don't miss it. What the hell happened to George Lucas? <laughs> oh my god, there's snot in my face! And I'm your host, Mike the Birdman Dub, and I'm not a join... Not a join, what the f*** does that mean? F*** that, ten seconds. <laughs> no, you gotta keep that. Let's do this, let's do this right the first time. <laughs> f*** you guys. <laughs> Ew, it's in my mouth. Oh god! Oh, uh, what's it taste like, Mike? Water, ew, salty. Let's start this episode with a shat f- <laughs> okay, okay, I'm good, Geico. Holy shit! Oh my gosh! Freak! Die, 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 die! Holy crap! Whoa, whoa! Whoa, my god, whoa! Where did it go? I'm like a stupid monkey. As you can imagine, they... They don't let us out much. You've been listening to This Week in Geek. Tune in next week to hear... Um... Somebody random. I don't know. Maybe even a hot chick. Yeah, let's go with that. Did anyone ever tell you that you were very, very sexy? How are actually, no. They never will. Check out our website, thisweekingeek.net, for more geek content. As well, subscribe to our podcast through iTunes or any podcatcher. If you'd like to comment on this episode, head to this episode post on thisweekingeek.net and comment through Facebook Connect. Or you can call our voicemail line at 817-717-7202. Send us a Twitter message by at replying to at thisweekingeek. Lastly, you can email us at feedback at thisweekingeek.net. This extra music was produced by Pronobozo at P-R-O-N-O-B-O-Z-O dot com. We'll see you next time, and remember... Lower your shields and surrender your listenership. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.